stands by now. Uh, you know him, know him quite well. He is the senator from here in the state of Indiana. It's Mike Braun. Senator Braun, good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, uh, good afternoon to you, Pat. Good to be on. Always nice to have you on. Uh, so when we look at uh, what it is that we want to discuss today, one of the things that is still is bes- I'm beside myself over it is this whole idea of the president just coming up and saying, you know what, we're going to take student loans and we're just going to forgive them. We'll just forgive them. They'll be gone. They'll be done. Well, they're not going to be gone, Senator. They're, they're not going to be gone. They can't evaporate into thin air. There are, there are debtors uh, that are out there that are owed money, some of it the federal government, but some of them independent banks and credit unions and others. And they, they count on that money coming back. It's how they survive. So the president says, well, we're just going to do away with them. We're not doing away with them. And I, I promise you, Senator, and I'm going to let you talk all you want, but I just promise you, if he gets away with this, if the House and the Senate approve this nonsense, and if they go ahead with it, this is not the last time they will have to forgive, quotes in the air, forgive student loans. So um, it, it's consistent with kind of the way they run trillion-dollar deficits just because you can borrow the money mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that that's good for the mid and long term. Because you can say by fiat, this is executive order, so at this point it can still be contested in the courts. It may or may not. Uh, the Dems, then, if that happened, will probably bring it up for a vote, and I'm sure they'll hold all of their ranks together for it. Uh, so we have to wait and see there. But here's what happens. When you forgive debt, it doesn't you – know, the people that lent the money aren't going to go for that. And you know what the government will do? Borrow the money yep. like they do on anything where they spend it and don't raise taxes, fees. That's tough. When you raise money for spending, that gets voters – alarmed. Uh, And if you're doing this outside of your normal budgeting, which this is obviously, this is pandering for votes. And the sad thing is 65% of all workers don't have a college degree. This is going to go to future high income earners. And what does it say about the ethic of responsibility? You took out that loan Everybody would want some type of loan forgiven. It, to me, starts us on that tricky pathway of where do you end with it? this? What is the next thing you want to forgive? They tampered with the work ethic through the whole COVID uh, response by putting out extended unemployment benefits to the tune of almost $900 billion, uh, which about 30% was hacked by fraudsters. All this stuff gets swept into the fact that they borrow the money to cover it, and that relief valve is the fact that we're now running trillion-and-a-half-dollar deficits. This would just add more to it. Penn Wharton says this will cost us between $500 billion and a trillion over the time that this forgiveness takes place. Yeah, and by the time that one has exhausted itself, before we see the fruition of all that payout, they'll be doing it again. Because there are people right now, I mean, the universities, when they see what happens here, when they see that all these kids that came to their school, some of them not even finishing school, but still the debt was hanging out there, and now the debt is gone, the universities are like, man, this is this is money just waiting to be grabbed here. And they'll start really hounding 
high school juniors and seniors about come on to college, come on to college, sign this piece of paper, won't cost yep. you a dime. And and the the Democrats and the liberals will have to be step up to the plate again and do this all over again. This is insanity. Crazy. It's highly inflationary. All this business about the Inflation Reduction Act, which was not that, this counters that and more so. I read an interesting article just today. Why don't we transfer all this debt to the respective schools' endowments? Uh, yeah. You know, they, they then, that debt is not forgiven. It's an income-earning asset for the school, and maybe it would incentivize the schools to start doing what Mitch Daniels did at Purdue, keep your costs down. Uh, Post-secondary education has turned into something that has gotten so out of control. Look at the families that got a couple graduates back in the basement. We stigmatize a lot of the things that could be taught better in high school that would pay more than a college degree might. Uh, that, to me, I think is a solution. Do a better job with our high school education and then disrupt post-secondary education to get more competition, more choice, and lower prices, lower costs. Yeah, you know, this this reminds me so much. About a year into her first term, AOC, um, uh, I, I'll never forget, she was doing an interview, I believe, with ABC News. Uh, if, if there's anything... More frustrating than AOC, it's AOC being interviewed by ABC News because then it's like, you know, ignorance breeds ignorance. But they were talking to her and and they were going, well, we understand what it is you're wanting to do here. Back in the, you know, we got to do Green New Deal days. And they said, but what if the money just isn't there? And she said, we're the government. We print the money. All we got to do is just print more. And I thought, what kind of idiocy is this? And then it got. Yeah, it got even worse because I then I went to her her uh, her uh, bio and I realized that economics was one of the majors that she got in college. My goodness, and that uh, whatever that institution uh, was that dispensed that kind of uh, degree uh, needs to be looked at itself. But sadly, the folks I call them government political enterprisers, and they've not taken. Finance 101. They view no problem with borrowing. This is literally borrowing, Pat, from our kids and grandkids. Right. They're going to have to shoulder all this. It's not the stooges here in Congress that come up with statements like what she just said or think that you can keep borrowing money uh, endlessly. You don't remain the reserve currency. Uh, you have inflation even more entrenched in your way of living. And that never is a good ending, and it's a terrible business plan for the biggest business in the world. Yeah, just so you know, she did that with Boston University. So that, you know, next time they come wanting another billion dollars for their endowment or something, people should look somewhere else. Uh, let's let's hone in, focus in a little bit, shall we? We're less than two months away from the midterms. Um, I'm, I'm a little troubled in that it seems that even in the House races, uh, that the polling would seem to indicate tightening. I don't understand it. I don't get it unless we have just enough stupid people out there that when they see that the f- government wants to forgive their loans, they're buying into that, uh, and it sets everything up for the midterms. And then after the midterms, Senator, the Democrats are going to do nothing but just screw the public all over again. Well, we know what their game plan is, and all I can say about them is they're unapologetic about it. 
And uh, just like Rahm Emanuel said many times, never let a crisis go to waste. But we know what that results in. Here's where I'm at. Uh, Republicans here, I've been here three and a half years, uh, are too often the party of no or I'm not interested. They don't take the values of faith, family, community, small, effective government, and craft policy. When you do not craft policy that is going to solve some of the issues out there, then you start losing the independence. Then they start going to the sugar highs of free stuff, of the things that Democrats are now starting to do. So part of the issue is they've got a plan for America. That's to replace almost everything we hold dear with the federal government. We as Republicans have to articulate the harder argument about things that work we know in our own state across at least half the other states. But do it in a way because the sad reality is independents who were hugging us a couple months ago in the polls are now starting to fall to the default of everything I just mentioned. So I think we're going to be okay with the House in a smaller margin than what's anticipated. Inflation and the economy, if you really get voters to focus on it, are the two things that bother them most. Then it's up to us. We're too often political wildflowers. We don't get engaged in the argument. That's kind of why I came here, saw it with frustration, having a successful business over 37 years, seeing all that at risk. we got to get better at it. I'm still hopeful that the public in the swing states and the independents who determine who the president is in a presidential year and the swing state senators are don't drink the Kool-Aid. Listen to what was putting us in that great position you're talking about a couple months ago. That's when the Democrats pour the coals to it. We've got a counterpunch. Well, yeah, we do. And I'll tell you what, if in fact that happens, sir, and if in fact the Republicans do in fact regain the House, and even if it's a slim majority, should the Republicans regain control of the Senate, you still won't have the White House. But all you guys got to pull together. You've, you've got to become the mother of all speed bumps in front of in front of the Biden agenda. He just he just can't go willy nilly again. And, and then if it's Trump or whoever it is in 2024, I, I firmly believe that if Republicans go in, take control of both houses and lead as if they have control of both houses, they will, in fact, win the White House. And then we can really start reassembling the nation and putting things back in order. And, Pat, it won't be that complicated. Just have to go back to pre-COVID. No inflation, high economic growth, raising wages in some of the toughest spots, and running then trillion-dollar deficits. I think Trump would have addressed spending in a second term. We know what was working, and they are building the case that Borrowing money from your kids and grandkids, growing government is a solution. And, yes, we win the House. We put a tourniquet on craziness. We win the Senate. We get back in the employment business of appointing judicial nominees and staffing cabinets and agencies. But, yes, the toughest thing is for Republicans to win the presidential elections because we need that and the two chambers to undo the damage Biden and the Democrats have done. Well, listen, I appreciate, always appreciate the fact that, A, you come on the program, and B, you don't take off and hide from us. Um, but, uh, you know, some politicians do that. Uh, but you have always been very upfront. You're, you've been everything you promised me you'd be when you came into office. 
let's hope that everybody that gets elected into office this fall will do the very same. You guys got to be locked arm in arm. I know I just keep saying it, but just locked arm in arm. Hey, listen, I'm going to get a hold of your office tomorrow in D.C. because the week after next, I'm in Washington, D.C. Okay. For, for the Hold Their Feet to the Fire event there that's being held by the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And we're going to be up there on the top floor of the Fox News building uh, there in D.C. I need to have you on while we can sit there and uh, and still look eyeball to eyeball to each other. And uh, I'll get a hold of your people and we'll get that set up. I'll give them a heads up on that uh, after we're uh, done here today. And always do enjoy the conversation. Podcasts by Federated Media.